This is Human Affairs, a podcast that is trying to make sense of a war in disarray. Episode 7 is called Algoritocracy and is going to explore the incredible power concentrated in very few hands of those who own the algorithms that basically are defining today the way we look at the world. And of course, you know, when we speak about algoritocracy, we're speaking about the government system, but the true is that the impact that the those who hold these algorithms and algorithm, you know, as, an, as also an allegory, you know, as, a, as a, it's not a metaphor because it's the algorithms, it's at the core of this, but it's, it's a, it is a broader understanding of, uh, of uh, uh, digital technology uh, being at the center of our lives and really making a cut of how we look at reality. And, uh, and you know, algorithms such as robots, at least in this uh, part of the 21st century, are not individ- you know, independent entities that define on by themselves uh, what uh, is that perception. So we are talking about algorithms and technology that is owned by very few hands of people who actually define uh, what do we see, how do we re- uh, uh, relate to, to reality, but also, you know, the reality itself. Uh, and we have very fresh examples because we live in a times when there are fresh examples of the time of anything you can imagine catastrophes and uh, big challenges and you know uh, crazy leaders doing things that you know nobody thought could be happening um but let me go back a little bit to what was what the the root of uh, of this idea of uh, of a concentration of uh, of power in certain hands in particular in what relates to the way we perceive the world. Because when we speak about uh, mass media, for example, that's not something new. Mass media existed for a long time. And, you know, Citizen Kane, that movie uh, that by Orson Welles that described a world hundred years ago, when basically one, you know, mega media owner really uh, shaped the way that, uh, with the news that people uh, read, Read and that uh, uh, by doing that created a set of values and a set of norms and an understanding of what was good and bad. And really, you know, mass media can create by cutting, by censoring in a way of filtering, create a particular view of the world that promotes certain habits, traditions, creates a culture. And, uh, and you know, in, 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 in state-dominated uh, 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 societies or political systems such as autocracies and authoritarian governments, the, of course, you know, the state controls the media. And actually, you know, it's a di- direct way of doing that because that's that's what they do in a subtle or in a direct way. But, you know, in free market economies and, you know, uh, what so-called free market democracies, it's really, when the, you know, gives the feeling that we can choose and actually we can but, you know, mass media promotes a certain uh, understanding of reality. I always remember, you know, when I started, uh, for business reasons, traveling frequently to the to the U.S., uh, I would say that I was now in the mid-90s. Uh, and, and then, you know, I was going to hotels and then, you know, switching channels when I was bored in the middle of the night after a long day of meetings. And, you know, at one point it was fascinating for me to see that those were the times that, you know, there were not so many cable like today. It was 
basic cable channels uh, and, and regular broadcasters. And, you know, all the channels were either for making money or spending money. So it was all about stock markets up and down and about shopping so you know what to shop. So it was really, you know, money and then some sports and then some shopping and some entertainment. And, you know, you could find a PBS program, a documentary, some kind of like uh, something a little bit more, something deeper. Or if you, you know, were ready to be bored enough, you could go to C-SPAN. And, you know, it, it, in a way, we could say that uh, that uh, all this reality was was around the whole idea of, of money, of spending, consuming, uh, uh, and, and creates, you know, certain uh, certain value system and, and, and a type of society that again is a cut. You can be outside the norm and then being an alternative, but that that's what defines what is mainstream. Um, and and again, then you know uh, there were the sitcoms at the time, and uh, sitcoms were also you know a, a very a cut of reality. The traditional family. Uh, there is a wonderful show uh, that is criticized as sit sitcoms now. Uh, um, that I have seen uh, recently, and it's a wonderful uh, critique of that, uh, uh, and and that 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 kind of understanding of uh, uh, of of mass media takes me to the whole idea of the creation of social networks and the revolution that social networks uh, did by creating a, a, an opportunity for people anywhere you are. You can just go on social network, create a presence. Uh, and, and live that dream of from being a nobody becoming somebody. You know, you can be start, you know, with a video or with a, with a message or with anything and create uh, 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 groups of people and, and around you. And, uh, and, and this whole idea of, you know, social networks when they started uh, of, of democrat getting kind of like democracy of the of the public uh, scene where actually we could all be part of that. But then, you know, uh, well, it's true that individuals can start uh, uh, from one to another uh, and, and feeling that they wake up in the morning and suddenly have an idea and through social networks, they can reach anywhere in the world, anybody. And if they have something interesting that will, you know, get tracking and, and draw attention. But in the real world, what's happening is that the social networks became owned by very, very uh, powerful people who actually uh, we are very dependent on that they have created some of the tools that we today use to communicate regularly. You know, this podcast is going to be shared on, on uh, those social networks because this is the way you can reach that line of big, broader uh, audience. But the truth of the matter is that uh, uh, these social networks have uh, evolved or devolved from that kind of like open space where the you know free people can express themselves uh, and you know of course create certain limits of of what's acceptable or not but devolve into what is today the social networks owned by people who define through the algorithms that can decide what what goes into the newsfeed of our, our people, how much what you post is filtered, how much of what you want to be seen uh, and what you want to express can be heard by others. Those algorithms uh, are basically today the queens and kings 
of the new government system and are not abstracts but owned by human beings who own these these networks who basically uh, are deciding for us the kind of information we want to see which is something that's very clear you know in the in the topic i know i for, for uh, i i speak a lot but it's something that i think the world really cares now right now and is the war in ukraine where you know i had last week something very simple you know after the bombings, terrible bombings that Russia started in several cities in Ukraine and destroying buildings and, and killing civilians everywhere, you know, the, uh, there was no energy and there was this night when people decided uh, to, and, and the government actually called everybody to uh, light candles over dinner to preserve energy so that they don't energy and, you know, by all, all saving that uh, this kind of solidarity will help uh, and, and, and strengthen. A, a nation under attack by preserving the energy that is kind of like being destroyed, infrastructure that is being destroyed by the Russians. And it just made, you know, together with with uh, my dear wife Ira, we at home we just uh, uh, did the same. We're in Tel Aviv, but they say, you know, we will show this and share with others so that we can invite others. By the fact that we put the word Russian in the in the in the post, it just it didn't get. You know, I have thousands of followers that uh, and among them hundreds who would uh, immediately react and respond to to a post like this and show their solidarity and i you know invited others to to to, to do the same to light candles and take a picture of lighting candles in the darkness while they're having dinner that evening it just didn't get any any uh, it, it didn't get into news feeds I mean, it's, it's, and then i said okay let's change and try Another word, you know, Russian with Z, and, and, and then another version without the word Russian, it just didn't get. So I, I'm using that example to show that there are in the background decisions that are made by people that decide for us what is the reality that we see, what is the, uh, uh, the, what is the, the filter version of the things that are happening that they want to see. You know, it's like they want to see that the war is all you know, happy sunsets uh, ever after. And the reality is much more complex than that than the space of public discourse, which is in the digital arena, is a place where uh, algorithms actually becoming an enemy of uh, freedom of expression and not an enabler. But what can netizens do? And, you know, this is this is about not just making sense. This podcast, Human Affairs, about trying to find solutions together. Uh, on, on a first, they're important to humans to stay, uh, uh, to keep on track humanity and humankind. And, and, and I propose a few things that we netizens can do. Number one, we should demand transparency. Algorithms should be public. It shouldn't be a secret that uh, 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 this, this digital network that are basically a platform for us to communicate should uh, own, it should be transparent. And then we should know what the algorithm, we should know the way that we can reach continue to reach an, uh, an audience. The second thing, you know, we should, you know, consider and, and create, you know, moving moving to alternative options, which are not the more dominant options, but they do give that kind of uh, freedom. And, you know, there are social networks where uh, where that uh, that happens uh, better. So, you know, when algorithms enable, this is where we go, and those that don't, then we should just uh, stop using those, those networks. Uh, and, and, and the third thing, you know, we should just we, we should find a way to uh, 
to build, you know, our own algorithms, which is something that, you know, somebody, you know, tech savvy like uh, Ira, my wife, could do. Myself, I don't. I can't. Uh, I don't have that technology knowledge. But I understand that in order to, to preserve humanity, we need to work closer to people who do understand that and, uh, and, and build a free society based uh, uh, on this. And, 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 and the other thing is that, uh, that we should work on, you know, opening those kind of alternative options that maybe uh, don't exist because the implications for our own uh, individual business, organizational movements, uh, ideas, uh, flow of, uh, uh, of knowledge depends on us uh, preserving freedom and freedom is being challenged by algorithms that don't enable, but as I said before, they disable our possibility to do what we want to do and communicate the way that this digital revolution was supposed to happen. There should be a new social contract. You know, Rousseau spoke about social contracts hundreds of years ago that define the way societies work, contracts that are not signed and written, but that are obvious in the relationship between the different uh, balance of powers in society. And that should include that algorithms should be part of that agreement between users and owners of digital networks, something that the same way that you uh, sign on, uh, on, on, on your agreement uh, when you enter into, into some app or, or new network or, or social media uh, platform. And it should also include the understanding that algorithms should be public, transparent, and something that give us the freedom to choose to do and to build the future the way we want in a world where digital communication is one of the basic things that is shaping society so that people uh, who own technology cannot decide the fate of the billions of people living in this planet, but billions of people living in this planet can define their destiny by themselves. This is Jorge Diner. This was... Algorithocracy, episode seven of Human Affairs, a podcast that is trying to make sense of a war in disarray. Talk to you soon on episode eight of Human Affairs.